Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. So cool to be here. Um, I, I've been here a number of times, but the last time Courtney and I were here, uh, this is my amazing wife. I like to point her out just as it gives me sort of some level of respect. You know, people see her and go, wow, wow, she married him. Maybe he's trustworthy. Um, but the last time we were here together, she, it was her 21st. Uh, yeah, I was 19. And I, I took the risk of uh, flying us here for her 21st uh, as a present. Yeah, and uh, we, th- yeah, we just enjoyed the city. Yeah, cool story, man. Um, anyway, this, it, it's, it's really cool to be just connecting with friends. Um, big fans of uh, your guys' pastors. Uh, obviously, we really connected well with them in Wellington. Um, but I just in terms of um, fruit of people's life, I think I always judge a person. I know we shouldn't be judge, judgmental, but I, I like to judge people. But I judge people purely based off of the fruit I see in their life. And um, Jono and Emma have just always given me a good example of what faith on the ground looks like. Uh, and so it's such an honor to be here, bro. I appreciate you uh, giving this opportunity. And um, tonight, I, I mainly wanted to talk, because I know that for the 5 p.m., all the, all the real hardcore ones turn up for the 5 p.m. This is true. Um, and, and for me, I, like, I guess because of the, the changes that I've gone through in terms of my locations, I, I got saved up in Auckland, became part of the Auckland Church, um, was moving across and helping out at different hubs, uh, in Auckland, and then I moved down to Wellington, and um, I, I kind of forget the the hustle because of that, right? And and church is a bit of a hustle. Church is on a mission um, to to reach and save the lost, essentially. And so it's so cool that you're you're doing this because I think for sometimes, and I definitely had this uh, sentiment when I was up in Auckland, is we, you get a bit. Uh, you get a bit like that when, when it's constant in terms of the hustle, the grind of running a hub every Friday night, of, uh, oh, we run two services now. Oh, we've got to pack down as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's in the consistency, I think, that God really does something great. God really moves in, in our perseverance. Um, you know, as it says in Galatians uh, 6, 9, um, that we don't grow weary in doing good. Right for at the proper time, you will you will uh, reap a harvest, and, and it's so true because often there's there's the that hinging point of, okay, is this actually going to produce anything? Is this going to work? But my encouragement is is just keep on grinding, keep on going, because at the proper time you will reap a harvest, right? Uh, and that goes right through from from youth. And, and our, our amazing youth that, like, stand by the gate and pray, you know, it can become like, oh, it's been us two for a long time now, right? Is this actually going to change? And, and um, I don't share this story a lot, but I, um, because I have the privilege of speaking at different places, uh, I got invited to speak out in um, Manuko one Friday night. And I turned up, but I was really surprised because I saw in the crowd a familiar face. Um, so kind of what had happening before was um, there was this 
small group of girls, three girls that were doing By the Gate. Uh, and if you're not familiar with By the Gate, it's like an initiative that our movement started, which basically empowers young people to pray for change to happen within their schools. Simply by waking up a bit earlier, and it, which is revolutionary, right? And standing by the gate and just praying whatever they feel on their heart for God to do. And so these three girls at a school called Tangaroa College um, did that pretty much every single Wednesday. And um, it was only them three for a long time, started to grow a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, but there was this random Wednesday, and I say random knowing that God is a funny little orchestrator, um, that my sister was attending Tangaroa College and walked by these three girls praying and overheard them praying for the guest speaker this Friday, who was Bola Fakalata. And she was like, hey, that's my brother. So she turned up and um, talked with them, and they were like, oh, yeah, he's speaking at youth this Friday. And so when I turned up, I didn't know that all of that was happening. There in the crowd was my uh, younger sister, uh, and my, my family pretty much is not very encouraging of other faiths. And so that was a big deal for us. It was a big deal for me to connect her to a different church, but for my sister to be there. And then on that Friday, she gave her heart to Jesus, responded, uh, which is pretty cool, right? And I know that she, like, she doesn't go to equippers, so it doesn't really count. But um, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, I'm joking. Um, but, but I know that she's developed this, her own faith, and, and purely because three girls were like, every single week we're going to pray, right? Who knows when it was going to happen, but I'm so glad that these three girls consistently did it because on that right Wednesday and that Friday, it worked for my family. Right, so uh, that's why I hold hold that scripture very close to home. Don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. When I don't know, but at the right time you will. Right, at the right time you will, you will reap the harvest. And so, yeah, just keep on hustling, team. I like that. I like it. Now, and um, tonight. I wanted to um, talk about this because I know as a church we've just finished wrapping up this series about um, our house, God's house, uh, whoever's house you want to talk. But one thing I've, I've definitely known to be true is every house has a set of rules, right? Every house has like pillars, values that um, you kind of operate by. And, and when you're growing up in your house, you don't realize, because unless you grow up in a really modern Christian home where You've got that chart with all the values, you know, in our family, we, things like that, right? But I didn't grow up like that, so you don't really know what your family is all about until you go, you realize when you go to someone else's house, eh? That's when you realize, okay, my family is a lot different to this family, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you ever gone to your friend's house? Their house is just a lot flasher than yours, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You walk in, you're like, whoa, you've got wallpaper. Um, but like... Just the little things that they do, the interactions, the way they talk to their parents, it just makes you go, okay, the, the house is a lot different. Um, I noticed a lot of those differences, right? Um, and, my, and, and this is actually a bad habit, but we developed this purely because I grew up in a house of like 17 people in a three-bedroom state house. So it was a lot of people. But we uh, subconsciously developed this habit of eating with our arms around our table, uh, around our plate. Because just to fend off all the other predators, otherwise known as my siblings. Um, but I, I realize not everyone else eats like that. Um, in, in my house, uh, in my family, we, we, it wasn't like mandated to eat at the table. 
right? But I've been to other people's house where they're like, all right, dinner. And we all had to go to the dinner table. And I was sitting there like, this is weird. This is someone's birthday. But right? It's just, anyone grow up in a home where you had to eat at the dinner table? Okay, you see, you see. Yeah, I'd, I'd be at your house like, this is weird. Just because it was so different to me. Um, we had a lot of rules around food. Um, one of my favorite was like the, 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 the three or five second, depending on where you are, rule, right? You drop food, it's, it's, it's okay to still eat it, right? But it was, for us, it was depending on where you were. Like, you know, five seconds if you drop it in the lounge. But if you're like outside, maybe two or three seconds, you know? Yeah, if you were like... Uh, I don't know, an ash bread and just leave it there. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> just R.I.P. sandwich. No. Um, but but every every house has has its, a, a way of just doing things, a set of rules, and and it just got me thinking because I think the thing I kept hearing, and I've heard this a lot in 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 uh, church circles, is this need to have a heart for the house. But I think it's so essential. That's why one is titled this talk as heart of the house, because it's so important you understand the heart, the, the values of this house, and, and kind of like a byproduct of that is you develop a heart for the house, right? It's, yeah, we definitely want you to be passionate about the house and building this. Let's see more people come along to these services. Let's see more people connect in this community. But it's really important that we understand, okay, why do we do what we do? Right? It's just not, I'm passionate because Pastor John says, come on, let's reach our city. Right? It's because I understand what the actual heart of the house is. And, and pretty much you go throughout scripture, it all kind of points towards this direction, which is people. The heart of the house is for people who are not connected, who are disconnected, who, who need to be reconciled towards God. That's the heart of this house. And the more I've understood the heart, that heart, the more I've developed the heart, which is why I can, can happily say, like, you know, it's been 14 years since I made a decision not just to accept Christ into my heart, but to go, you know what, I'm going to make equip as my home church. And it's been in my understanding of God's heart for people that it made it a lot easier to go, you know what, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to, serve this ministry and move down here because having a understanding a heart of the house makes it a whole lot easier to develop a heart for the house right and and is this working might just need a oh, there we go um in luke 14 right this is this is probably uh, a, a good picture of of what god really wants um, and this is kind of in parable, but he said, the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them in so that my house will be full. God's heart for this house, not just, when I say this house, I don't just mean equipers. Um, God's heart for his house is just for people to come back. It's for lost ones to be reconnected. So that his house is full. It's not, a, it's not a prideful thing to go, oh, look how many people we've got in our church. It's every person that is attending a, a spirit-filled church is another person that isn't lost. That's, that's God's heart, right? And which is why I think one of the coolest conversations that, um, that has kind of framed a lot of the way that I approach life is this conversation um, with Peter. 
right, when he says, well, if you love me, then feed my sheep. Yep, you know, it's not if you love me, obey these commandments, uh, if you love me. When, this is his final conversation almost to, to get Peter to understand the mission before he leaves and the Holy Spirit, uh, Spirit empowers him. The final conversation that he hangs everything back on, he goes, well, if you love me, then feed my sheep. That's the heart. And so I, I think it's so important, you know, and I am talking to the, the hardcore committed ones of this house, but I, I think it's so essential that we, we remember and we keep at the core of everything we do uh, the heart of this house, which is reaching people. And, and I, I want to pull a few points from a well-known story. There is no greater story that, that reflects the heart of God other than uh, the one you can find in Luke 15. Uh, which is the prodigal son. I'm pretty sure most people have heard and familiar with the prodigal son story, yeah? Yeah, 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 cool. I, I grew up in a Christian um, family. I, I wouldn't say I was a Christian or that my family were Christian, um, but we were definitely part of a church community, uh, so I had an awareness of God, but it kind of created a distaste for um, Scripture for me growing up because it was just like, ah. Uh, Right? It, was, it was so boring growing up. Um, and so when I go through scripture, I just like to tell them my way, if that's okay. Right? Yeah. And I love using pictures because I'm a very visual learner. Right? And so if you're not super familiar with um, the prodigal son story, this is basically how it goes. So Jesus is telling this story to communicate God's heart. And he starts off by saying there's this man, right? There's this, you can say he's a king or a really, just, he's basically just a really, really wealthy man. He's just really, really rich. You, and you need to like, that's a key part because he's super rich. Like he's so rich, like if he was filling up his car with petrol, he, he wouldn't shake it at the end. <laughs> like that's how rich he is, right? He just puts it straight back. You know, some of you know, hey, some of you do the hose lift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know, I know. Okay, but not this man. He's very, he's very wealthy. Uh, and so he has a whole lot of, he's just, he's just bawling. And, and then Jesus is explaining, this, this man has two sons, right? An uh, elder son and a younger son. And then there's this interesting conversation that happens between the younger son, who's kind of frustrated with living under his dad's house and his rules, and uh, decides, actually, I want to kind of move out from this. And so the younger son approaches his dad, and he's like, hi, dad, I want all my inheritance now. Which I don't know if that kind of conversation could happen in your house, right? That's, a, that's bold, right? To just go up to dad and be like, give me half of everything. Like, I know I, I definitely couldn't do that, right? Mind you, half of nothing is not much. Um, but the dad goes with it and he's like, all right, cool, right? And he halves all of the things that he owns and uh, gives half of it to the younger son. And the younger son, with this massive injection of wealth, decides to take it and just live his own life. Um, and like most Christians, when they want to live their own way, they go out of town, and um, he decides to go take his new injection of wealth and go and uh, spend it up large, right? And the, the Bible depicts it as, uh, he goes, spend this inheritance on wild living. Uh, and so basically he goes and, and he's in this random city just doing whatever he wants, and as you can imagine, he's, he's got a whole group of friends around him. Everyone's like, bro, this guy's buying us drinks. This guy's doing everything for us. This is cool. So he's got massive crowd around him. But I think after their long stint of just partying, um, the all-too-familiar 
uh, insufficient. <laughs> the decline happens, right? And so swipes the card. That's how I imagine it. He swipes his card. He's like, yeah, one more round, boys. Swipes the card and nothing happens, right? Declined. And so everyone disappears. It's like, all right, we can't get anything off you anymore. Um, which I think is quite, is, is quite a cool um, thing just to point out. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people get caught up in, you know, finding themselves out there. But I think this, this is a cool part of the story because it clearly shows the difference between home and elsewhere. Because home is all about what they want to give to you, whereas out there is all, all about what can I get from you. Right? And so he gets to this pretty low point of, I've, I'm out of my inheritance, I'm out of money, and just as luck would have it, a famine hits, right? <laughs> and this famine hits this part of the story, and um, businesses are shutting down, losing money, everyone's kind of going a bit insular and trying to look after themselves, and so he's completely desperate, got no money. Uh, and so he approaches this guy, he's just trying to find somewhere to stay, something to eat. And he's like, hey, bro, I'm real broke, eh? Have you got a job, please? And he's like, nah, not really, uh, but you can go feed my pigs. And he's like, okay, uh, what's the starting salary? Like, do I get annual leave? And the guy's like, uh, salary? Um, you can eat whatever they're eating. And he's like, okay, weird counter offer, but okay, I guess I've got no other options. And so he goes with it, right? And then the story carries on from him to being in this... Um, pig pen with the pigs, right? So that's, that's how bad things have gotten. You could say he's hit rock bottom. And so um, the youngest son's like, oh, turns to the pigs, I'm so hungry, can I have what you guys are eating? And the pigs are like, because they're pigs, they don't say anything. Um, <laughs> but he starts imagining, and this is, uh, I will take note of this, he starts picturing all the things that he's missing out on back at home, right? He's like, oh, man, looks around, this is my life now, and that's the life I left. And then he has this kind of like conversation with himself, where he's like, man, everyone home's living it up, I think I'm going to go back. And so he decides to, all right, swallow his pride, and begins his journey home, and he's probably thinking about his apology, you like that? Yeah. He was over here, but he's, now he's over there. Yeah, yeah technology right and then and then this is the end of the story where um the 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 father sees him in the horizon and the son was trying to figure out like how do i apologize how do i approach my dad but the dad sees him and as soon as he sees him the dad sprints towards him right and then just gives him a huge hug (laughs) embraces his son all right and then um as, as you could imagine, the son launches into this apology. Dad, I'm so sorry. Take, and he gets interrupted. And his son is like, son, I'm just glad you're back. Yells out to his servants. Oh, someone hooked this guy up. Clean him up because he smells like pigs. Right? And so they, they sort him out, put on some new gears onto him. And deck him out. And now he's all sorted. Now he can kind of, kind of make his way back into the family. Uh, and then they throw a huge party. They, um, massive, massive feast, right? And everyone's in this, I imagine, it's just a huge tent and they're having a mean feed um, or like a big marquee. Uh, that's how my family would do things, just marquees. We loved marquees. I don't know why, but we loved marquees. Um, and then they're just celebrating. And then the dad notices um, outside the, the, the oldest son is, is kind of staying away from the party. So he kind of guts it that his 
older son hasn't come in and joined in, in the celebration of his younger son returning. So he goes out to plea with him. And he's like, son, why are you out here not inside partying with the rest of us? And then, then the elder son kind of pours out his heart as to why he's offended. Right? And he's like, I've been loyal since day one and you haven't given me anything. You haven't given me a feed. You know, the son wasted everything you gave him as soon as he came back. Oh, you want to you wanna throw him a, a party? And then the dad is like, well, you're always with us and everything I have is yours. But this is, this is essentially the heart of God is we have to celebrate because he came back. Which is a great story, yeah. I, I love the prodigal son story. And, and there are a few things that I kind of want to just pick out from that story that I, I believe to be really key parts in terms of us having a heart that, that uh, aligns with God's heart for people, right? We don't just run these extra services so that we can, oh, let's just take another time out of our Sunday no, there's reasons why. It's because we need to build ourselves up in terms of the mission that we are on, but also to provide opportunities for more people to have that kind of experience, to come back, reconnect with God. And so there's, there's basically three things I want to point out that are so important. And the first one is, um, is it's really key to look after yourself. Now, I don't, I don't know if, if, if you struggle with this as much as I did, but um, I think there's a, there's a human desire uh, for validity or, or for authenticity around a message, right? That whatever they're hearing, they need to kind of see proof and believe it to be true, right? Have you, you ever had people try and give advice on things that they have no expertise on, right? <laughs> right? I, know, I know parents will sometimes have this when, uh, you know, Young couples talk about being tired, and parents are like, oh, you wait, right? And then maybe even parents with, like, multiple children, you know, uh, uh, talking to younger married couples with a, what, a single child, and then they're like, oh, try three, right? Uh, I, I was classic at this. I, at high school, I was infamous for giving relationship advice, even though I was terrible at it, right? <laughs> but I just tell people how to do things. I, I, I think I was just so confident in my... Uh, myself, that even if I had no expertise, I just try and give advice. Like even from a young age, eh, I was always giving people advice. Um, I was one of those weird kids that had like a moustache in year six, right? <laughs> like went through puberty in the womb. And um, I remember other year six children, they eh, would just see it and be like, wow, how do you grow a moustache? <laughs> I don't know, I'm like, just believe in yourself. Like, Right, but I remember giving advice like on, on relationships in high school. And it, it, it is a funny thing because you, you do need to sort of believe what you're hearing. And I, I think this is something the church has come under fire for a long time because it's, it's often not necessarily the beliefs that we hold, but it's the people that profess to believe these beliefs um, don't seem to model that life well to them, right? And so that, that's why I think it's so key for us as believers, people that are in this house, for everyone that's disconnected and lost, for us to look after ourselves. Because we are, we are ambassadors, that people are looking at us, people are taking cues of us, 
That's why I, I don't know if you've noticed this part, and this was pretty revolution, revolutionary for me um, in the prodigal son story, but there's a funny little detail that includes in his little monologue with himself. He, in, a, in the pig pen, right? He's, he's, he's not just, it's not just the fact that he's staring at, at these pigs and he's hit rock bottom. He thinks to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving. It wasn't just the fact that he was starving, but it was the fact that he could remember that the ones that were back at the house were eating and they had food to spare. It was the well-being of the hired servants that he remembered that actually motivated him to go, yeah, why am I, enjoying, why am I here? When look at how well they are doing. And, and, and that's what I mean when I say look after yourself because it's, it's, sometimes we, we, we expect rock bottom to do the discipling for us. Sometimes we want, oh, just one more drunken night and they'll turn around. Just one more failed relationship and they'll turn around. And sometimes it does. It does motivate them to change. But more than just rock bottom, more than just hardships, people need to see that what we profess to be, be true is true through the fruit of our life. That people need to go, oh, man, look how they have food to spare. Right? So when, when, when we talk about things like joy and peace, the world needs to see evidence of that in order to go, yeah, this anxiety I'm swimming in, uh, why am I here? When look over there, they just have this assurance. They just have this faith, right? Failed marriages need to see thriving relationships. It's not just, oh, this bad relationship, oh, yeah, just... Yeah, I just seem to attract bad people. They need to see thriving relationships in order to go, oh, yeah, maybe there's some uh, merit to what this lifestyle that that this person has chosen. And so it's so key that we, we live our lives in a way that inspires other people to go, while it works for them, maybe it can work for me. Right? It's not just being in the pig pen. It's actually the food to spare. And so it's a, it's a good question to be asking yourself because I think I've been challenged by this a lot. And, and this is rhetorical, okay? Please don't feel like you need to out yourself. But ask yourself this question. What conclusions do people draw about the house when they look at your life? What conclusions do people draw about the house when they look at your life? You know? I'm, I'm, I'm challenged to, to live my life and do my faith in a particular way that inspires other people closer to the house than it is at repelling them. And that's in all aspects. In terms of fun, you know, we go, man, church is the biggest party. And then we're just like that during church all the time. We talk about the, how beneficial it is to give Right? But when we talk about being on team, it's like, yeah, I'm on again this Sunday. That if, 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 and I'm not, I'm not saying you can't have real honest conversations, but if people are taking cues off of us, it's so important that we model health. 
that we model good well-being in terms of how we steward ourselves, steward our finances, right? All of that pretty much gives clues or cues to, to, to others in terms of, oh, yeah, maybe there is some uh, merit to what they profess to believe. I want people to look at my life and go, man, maybe, maybe, there's this, maybe there is something to this faith. Maybe there is something to being connected to God. But the more that, that, that you kind of um, unpack this stuff, it's, it's so key, and, and you can run this along any part of your well-being. But basically, I'm encouraging you, just, just in terms of the heart, as, as people are taking cues off of you. I, I had this funny little moment down here during worship where um, my daughter Remy kept wanting to do whatever Ollie was doing. Right, so so Johnny would like pick up Ollie and throw him in there, and then Remy looked at him, looked back at me. She's like, "You do it." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, thanks, Johnny." Yeah, throw my kid up and then hold her. But but it's it's there's um, that same same sort of relationship in terms of your friends and your family who are looking at your life, and they need to see that the things that we profess to be true is true. I want people to know that when I say that God is a, like refreshing God, that I actually live that out. That every time I'm I connect into the house, it's not, uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm having fun doing this, right? That, that there's, there's a growth and development with this. And, and the more that people see this, the more people will turn to God and go, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's some truth in this. So you need to look after yourself. Is that good? Another thing um, that's important for us to do is just we need to run to people, right? Um, in, in, in the prodigal son story, this, this happens where the, the, the father runs towards the son. I think it's just absolutely epic. Uh, mainly because interactions are funny and awkward, right? Especially when you're not on the same page with the other person. Have you ever found that? Like, gone to say hello to someone and you're trying to decide whether, like, are we hugging or shaking hands? Yeah, that, right? And you sometimes get it wrong. They've gone in for a hug and your hand's stuck in these, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I challenge anyone, if, if you think you've had a more awkward interaction than this, um, there was one time I was speaking in schools in Gisborne, and I, I just finished a full day of talking, so my brain is kind of on autopilot, right? I've done, like, five hours of nonstop talking all day. And so I'm kind of out of it, and the teacher walks from the, the back of the room towards me as I let the students go. And I knew that he's coming up to say thank you, right? And he grabs my hand and he leans in for a hongi. Now, I'm, I'm sweet with hongis, right? No problem with hongis. So I go in also, but I'd forgotten that I was wearing a hat, <laughs> like one of those hats. And so when this guy hongis me, he's straight away like... <laughs> The, 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 the brim of my hat, like, prevents him from getting uh, the hongi he wanted. I know. And then the funniest thing was, even though it stopped him, he, like, still tucked in. He's <laughs> committed, right? Committed to the hongi. Um, oh, but, man, I just felt awful. Eh? I was like, oh, bro, that's the worst. Um, but in interactions are kind of like that, like, as I said, especially when you're not on the same page with the other person. And I, I put myself in the the mind of the, the, the youngest son who's on his way home, right? Who sees his dad 
running towards him. What would, grow, what would go through your mind, right, when you are like apologetic, if you've ever broken something or, you know, you've done something wrong and you're trying to suss out the apology in your head and you're going, you know, you practice enough, you know when to start the tears, and then you're um, on your way home and then you see your dad running towards you. Right? This is this is the this is um the the one of the my favorite things that the dad does is that he just takes control of of the interaction. Right? No, maybe knowing the son was going to be in his own head and like overthinking things, feeling anxious, the dad is like he just completely takes over the the interaction and goes, you know what? I'm just gonna sprint all the way to him and embrace him. He runs to him. And, and there's a detail I want to kind of highlight, but in, in verse 20, he says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion. It was, it was while he was still a long way off. And I, I've been guilty of doing this, but I've been um, challenged in recent years to get better at just running to people um, no matter how far they are. Uh, yes, it's important we run to people, but I think sometimes we, the church, is, is, is often guilty of, of having some sort of um, marker of where people need to get to before we run towards them, right? Whereas the, 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 the father ran towards his son as soon as he saw him. As soon as he, and I think it's an important detail they've included. While he was still a long way off, he ran. And, and when I read that, I'm like, oh, man. Because there are people that I know are a long way off. But I ask myself, am I running towards them? Let me ask you. Are there people that you know that are a long way off? Some of you are like, yeah, a very long way off. But a good thing to ask yourself is, at what point do you decide to run towards them? Maybe it's like we feel um, justified. You know, we think, oh, no, I want you to prove that you, you, you want to change. I want, to, I want you to prove that you uh, don't want that kind of lifestyle anymore. And we have these, like, weird prerequisites for people, you know, oh, yeah, no, no, I want you to, to commit to coming on Sunday before I fully run towards you. Oh, but they haven't come along to e-group. Oh, but they haven't done, they, maybe even around behaviors. You know, oh, they're still doing that. They're still doing this. They're still hanging around with these people. But that's not God's heart. God's heart is while they are still a long way off. This is how he tells it in the prodigal son story, right? But in, in, in other places in Scripture, you can read that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the heart, that while we are still a long way off, God runs towards us. And it's funny because I think we... we, we um, we have no problem with embracing that idea or that concept of God when we're receiving it, right? Who loves the fact that we serve a God that leaves the 99, right? It's awesome, eh? 
leaves the 99 for the one. We love it until we realize we're not the one anymore. We love it until we realize, oh, I'm part of the 99 and God's letting me chill over here trying to find the lost. And, and, and it's this aspect of God's heart for us that we, we need to wrestle with a little bit more and, and, and embrace that, that, um, that heart for ourselves. To go, you know what? Yeah, okay. How, how does this look like in my own? Yeah, I've got some workmates who are a long way off, but maybe I just need to run towards them a little bit more just, just by a conversation. Maybe there's some, some people, their friends that were coming along to church, but whatever reason they decided, oh, they can't just keep coming on Sundays. All right, yeah, cool. I'm not going to let that prevent me from running towards them. Run to people. It's, it's, it would have been the most, like, shock, a uh, huge shock, uh, shock to um, the son's system, right? When he's sussing out this like, conversation and his dad is sprinting towards him. And, and everything about the, dun, um, the son had like preconceived in terms of how do, do I drop to my knees? Do I go for a hug? And the, the, the father just runs towards him, takes control of it. In your relationships, whether it's family, friends, workmates, people that you've led, people that have led you, can I just encourage, man, regardless of how far off they are from God or for the house, whatever, can we just be people that run towards people, that run towards others? It communicates God heart, God's heart so much more effectively. And then the last thing that, um, that the, the, the father did, and I'll invite the team back up, um, is just how, I think it's so cool how fast um, he embraced the son, Right? How quickly the, the father just said, you know what, never mind your apology that you've been practicing this entire trip back. And, and straight away, he got all his servants, you know, like clean him up and put sandals on him, put a ring on him, put a robe on him. Because he, he didn't want to waste any time with the, are you a part of the family or not? He quickly embraced him and goes, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah, forget all of that. You are family. The embrace was the thing that communicated to him that nothing had changed. The embrace was the thing that communicated to him that he was returning back into sonship. It was, it was so quick. He just goes, yeah, I'm just glad you're back. And it's, 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 it's often the embrace that really turns people around. Um, I, I shared on my social media not too long ago um, but, I mean, I've, I've talked to one of our youth girls, and she's um, okay, and she was happy for, for me to share this. Um, but last, last year, um, I was a random Friday night, one of our youth girls came up to um, a leader of mine and, and uh, confided in her and told her that she thinks she may be pregnant. Um, she was in and out of a relationship. We knew about that. Um, she was 14 years old. Uh, and so is pretty stressed out, freaking out, doesn't know what to do, but tells this leader, I think I might be pregnant. And so um, that's a interesting turn of a Friday night is, you know, going to the supermarket and buying a, a pregnancy test, you know, and making sure this girl had one. And then 
Um, she confirmed it with this leader, and this leader communicated to the rest of us. And so I, I can remember the, the first meeting that we had as a, um, as a leadership team, our youth leaders, where we brought it up. We have a space where we talk about pastoral concerns and um, just got raised. And everyone was looking around the room just like, you know, we hadn't got, gotten to that part of the youth leader manual yet. Um, <laughs> And we were just kind of like scratching our head, like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. Hmm. Um, but the more that we discussed it, it, there was just this resounding agreement that whatever we did, it needed to be that, basically. We just need to run towards her, and we just need to embrace her. Um, and, and that's essentially what we did in, in whatever way we could. Um, that looked like different things from um, I had to run a hui between the two families, um, the families weren't aware of the relationship at all. And so it was, surprise, your daughter's in a relationship, and surprise, she's pregnant. Um, which, so you can imagine that there was a very awkward, but to bring the two families together, talk it out and go, cool, this is what we think might be best. What kind of support that you do you need? Um, it looked like some of our other leaders taking her along to doctor visits. Um, even to the point where, like, towards the end of her pregnancy, because um, you can imagine most of her 14, 15-year-old friends weren't um, savvy at throwing baby showers. <laughs> but um, our leaders thought it would be cool. So we, after church uh, one Sunday, we threw her a baby shower. We took her out for lunch, and then every leader came with a gift uh, and just said, hey, we're here for you. We, we don't know what the future looks like, but we're just going to be here for you. Um, and I think, it, well, not I think, I know it really did wonders for her. Because I could say in, in the nine months of her pregnancy, I think she missed three Friday nights of youth. She was regular at our Sundays. Um, and, wh- and wh- why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't people want to be a part of a community that runs towards them, that embraces them? And that's God's heart. God's heart is for, you know, and yeah, I know that there's some, and we were having those kind of conversations too. There's some complicated, complex, like, oh, what does the Bible say about sex? And what, you know, we're, yeah. But there's a 14-year-old girl freaking out who's just said, I don't know what to do. I'm, I think I'm pregnant. That embrace is so key. You know, and even so now, so she's, um, got a beautiful baby boy Tiariki, and um, she's having conversations with us and the pastors back in Wellington about dedicating the baby um, but she loves the community so much the, the, one of the coolest things that this happened just as of late um, she, she, she came up and told us that um, she this is how much she loves the community is um, shout was so non-negotiable for her that her parents are now thinking of how they can make it work and uh, come going to come along to shout so that they can look after the baby just because the daughter's like, I'm not missing out. And they're like, okay, so what do we do? So yeah, parents are coming along to shout. <laughs> just, just cool, eh? Um, and and I, don't, I don't say any of that to like kind of boast in myself or the team, but just to boast in, in the work that God does in people's heart when you remove all the politics of it of, and, and those 
unnecessary fluff. Yes, they're important conversations to have. Yes, we want to instill good values. Yes, oh yeah, cool. But we had a situation on hand that was very real that we needed to deal to. And the best thing that we saw fit was just running towards this girl and embracing her. And I guess I say that because it's true for me. Um, There's the the way that I got connected into this movement. Um, I've had a difficult relationship with my dad um, for a number of years, but it kind of peaked uh, when I made this decision. I got saved um, at a uh, summer camp that Equippers was running. And I got roped in, like like all good um, leadership stories, as I got tricked into going along. Um, you know, Pastor Esther Greenwood was uh, leading youth band at the time, and she turned up to the house because I was flatting with all these other guys that were already going along to 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 um, equipers. And um, she said, "Oh, what are you up to? We need a guitarist for our band." And I was like, "Oh yeah, if you need a guitarist, yeah, sweet." And I turned up to band practice, and there was like five guitarists. <laughs> um, and but she she just said, "Yeah, yeah, just join the team, get involved." And um, yeah, I, I was like non-save standing there with an electric guitar being part of the band. And um, it, was, it was there that I encountered Jesus for the very first time, like in a real, real way. And I was like, um, it was that embrace. And, and I can say throughout my 14 years of being uh, connected into Equippers, with every fall that I've had, with every struggle um, that I've had, That's been the heart of, you know, oh man, I stuffed up again. Okay, cool. Just just get back, get back up and involved again. That embrace. And if we can just get better at doing this, man, I, I honestly do believe God can do some amazing things in the hearts of our friends and our family purely because of the way that we model his heart. And can, can I just ask people to stand? Um, just as the, as the band kind of pick up from here, I, I, I'd like us to do just a simple thing. This, this is, this is um, I, don't, I don't say this out of, out of disrespect, okay? But I'm, I'm super, super passionate about outside of church. Right, I, I, I do count this a privilege, huge privilege to speak. But my favorite thing is speaking to non-church people, non-Christians. I, I, but whenever I get the opportunity to speak to church, um, it is one of my favorite things to do is to encourage people about the importance of reaching the lost. That's that was God's heart always, that His house would be full. That we people that believe in Him and follow Him that love him would feed the sheep. And and now just, uh, I want to invite everyone just to uh, close your eyes. It's not just a nice fancy saying, but there's a lot of truth in, in, in what you'll hear. Um, Pastor Sam often say that there's people close to you, but far from God. And God always does his work through relationship, which is why he's chosen the church to be his vehicle for change. Because it's through relationship that you have relationship with him and then people who have relationship with you can find relationship with him.
But just as the band kind of keep creating this atmosphere, I just want you just to kind of search your own heart and maybe um, different parts of this message have resonated with you. Maybe you have struggled with uh, being an ambassador of faith, that you haven't looked after yourself well or represented God well. I pray the Holy Spirit would empower you to to make those changes and represent Christ. And even with the heavy charge that Paul gives, that you would walk worthy of your calling and make whatever adjustments you need to say, okay, for my friends and for my family, I want to show them that a relationship with God does bring peace. It does bring purpose. It does bring joy. Or maybe for you, it's, it's the embracing part. Maybe for you, it's the running part. Maybe you feel more justified in, in people trying to prove that they, they, they want to make a change. I pray the Holy Spirit in this moment will soften your heart. that you would remember the grace that you've received and reminded that freely as we have received, freely we give. I have so much grace for, for lost, broken people, whatever you want to call them, purely because I re- remember that I was once that person and grace was afforded to me. And so just in this moment, if... Um, you need to raise a hand or two. Why don't you just allow the Holy Spirit to kind of touch on different parts for you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 